I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1. We're going to pick up where we left off this past Sunday, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. But as you find your way there, I also want you to look back at Matthew chapter 1 as well. And we are going to walk through two passages of Scripture this morning as we consider two characters that find themselves in the story that is focused on Jesus coming as a baby to Bethlehem. Let me ask you this. How many of you have been preparing for Christmas? You've been preparing. How many of you have put lights up? Lights? If you don't have your hand up, you're a bah humbug this year. Take note, church, who's beside you without a hand up, okay? How many of you have already put your Christmas tree up? How many of you put your Christmas tree up the month of November? Take note, church, all right? How many of you have company that is coming to stay with you at some point in the next few weeks? Hand up there. How many of you are preparing not your home but yourself (laughs) as your company gets ready to come? How many of you kids are prepared for opening presents? There we go. I knew it. I knew they were there. I asked in the first service this morning, uh, how many of you parents, don't answer this because you'll give it away, how many of you parents are going to have a puppy for your kids on Christmas morning? Had three kids in the back throw their hands up and say they are ready for a puppy for Christmas. (laughs) You'd have to prepare for that. Our youngest daughter wants one. We said, not going to happen. You know, for all of us, though, we know what it's like to prepare. We know what it's like at this time of year to prepare ourselves for this Christmas season. And I want us to consider something this morning together from God's Word. What does it look like for us to prepare our hearts for God to work in and through our lives? Not only this time of year, but every single day of every single year that we're alive? What does it look like for us to prepare our hearts for God to work and for God to move in our lives? We began a series last week looking at the characters of Christmas. So outside of Jesus, which we're going to get to him in a couple of weeks, but outside of Jesus, there's a fascinating slate of characters in the Christmas story. So last week we looked at Elizabeth and Zechariah and John, their child that would be born, who would prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. And what I want us to look at this morning is Mary and Joseph and the angel that's involved in proclaiming to them that they would have the Christ child, the Messiah, in their home. And for them to prepare themselves for God to work in and through their lives. My prayer for us is that God would work in and through us, prepare our hearts for what God desires to do in our lives. Let's look at the text this morning. I want to read Luke 1, verses 26 through 38, and then we'll back up to Matthew chapter 1 and read those verses as well. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. This is what Luke records. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. 
The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. That you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word into your spirit. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea. It's going to be the focus of our time together, both in Luke chapter 1 and in Matthew chapter 1, as we consider these two characters, Mary, Joseph, and as we consider the word that the Lord brought to them from the angel. And it's this truth. We have the opportunity every single day to prepare our hearts for Jesus to change us. We have the opportunity every single day to prepare our hearts for Jesus Christ to change us. Now here's what I want you to recognize that last week as we walked through the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and John who would later be the forerunner for Jesus and his ministry on this earth, we said that we have the chance, just like them, to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus. 
to open the doors, to provide the path, to point people to Jesus as the greatest hope that we could ever have in this world. But I want you to notice as well, as we do that, that Jesus desires to change us too. Jesus desires to transform your life and my life. And for us, we have the responsibility to prepare room for him to do just that. What we're going to see this morning is two characters, Mary and Joseph, who in a real sense had to prepare room in their hearts and in their lives for Jesus to show up on the scene. And so I want us this morning to walk through these passages of scripture. And as we do that, as we walk through these narratives to look and to recognize that there are some questions that appear for both Mary and for Joseph. And I think there are questions that you and I ask often in our lives as well. And then, as we see more information, more work of the Lord in their lives, their questions change. And so this morning, I want us to look first at Mary and take note of this first truth that we're going to see in the verses as we walk through them. As we prepare our hearts for Jesus to change us, our question transitions oftentimes from how can this be to how can I be of use? Let's look at Mary's story beginning in verse 26. It says in the sixth month. So as you look at verse 26, I want you to take note that this is describing six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy. So six months after the Lord had done this miraculous work, this woman who the scripture says was well advanced in years, past childbearing years, the Lord had come and said, you are going to bear a son and that son is going to prepare the way for the Messiah to come. So that happened. And six months into that pregnancy, it says, Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. In verse 27, to a virgin who was betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. So here's the story. Here's the character that we're introduced to, this lady named Mary, who the scripture calls a virgin who is betrothed, meaning that she was engaged to Joseph. Now, engagement for us is something that you may enter into wanting to fulfill the covenant, but you also can get out of it if you want to. Didn't know if you knew that or not, if you're engaged here. Y'all laughed way too easy at that this morning. But here's the thing. Culturally speaking, betrothal was kind of a step up from that. In fact, we're going to find out that for Mary to be betrothed to Joseph, for them to end that, they would actually have to follow through with divorce proceedings. And so at this point in time, here's the story. Mary has been visited by an angel. In verse 28. He came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. We've said this before. We would think this would be an amazing thing for an angel to visit. In Scripture, it's an absolutely terrifying thing. So look at verse 29. But Mary put it on her Instagram page. It's not what your Bible says. It's not what mine says either. Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the same and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. 
And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Notice the description of this son that Mary is going to conceive and bear. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Now at this point in time, Mary was terrified, but now... Oh, that's good news. You got to know for Mary at this point in time, Mary knows that this word, this language that's being used, notice as he begins in verse 32. Now, all of us think our kids are great, but none of our kids are Jesus, right? This is what the description is that the angel gives. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Not only that, the Lord is going to give to him the throne of his father, David, and he's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. This description describes the Messiah that God's people have been waiting for. So hear me, as Mary hears this, she knows that. She knows that connection. She would have understood at this point in time that this is not just some child. This is the Christ child. This is the Messiah who's coming to this earth. However, Mary knows there's a problem. In fact, if you look, Mary in verse 34 asks the angel a question. How will this be since I am a virgin? I told you last week that this was a very similar question that was asked back in the previous verses when Zechariah is told by the angel that this is what the Lord is going to do. And his response is, my wife is well advanced in years. That is not physically, biologically possible for her to bear a child. In fact, I told you in South Georgia Redneck, which is where I grew up, that the response was, that don't make no sense. And that's Mary's response. I want you to hear me this morning. You need to write this down. Mary's question is not a theological question. Mary's question is a biological question. How is this supposed to work since I am a virgin? Even though Mary's question is a biological question, I want you to notice that the angel is going to respond not with a biological answer, but with a theological answer. Verse 35, the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible 
with God. I want you to notice that the angel doesn't seek to give Mary a biology lesson in his response. Doesn't do that. He doesn't say, well, Mary, like, here's how it all works. He doesn't do that. Mary says, biologically, that don't make sense. And the angel says, here's your answer. God. God. God is going to do this. And he responds in verse 37, nothing will be impossible for God. As I thought about that this week, I started thinking in relation to Mary's first question of the angel, how many times do we ask those questions of the Lord? How many times do we ask questions, technically speaking, as we're walking through life wondering what in the world is the Lord up to? Wondering what in the world is the Lord up to in my marriage? God can work in and through your marriage. You're going, Pastor, I don't see how that's going to work. I don't see how that can happen. I don't see how God is going to be able to accomplish that. Maybe you think about that in relation to your job. You think, there's no way God could work here. There's no way that God could use me in this place. Pastor Michael, you work at a church. Everything's great at church. I don't. It's terrible. Or maybe you look and you say, man, I, I don't understand how God is going to work in this terrible situation that I've found myself in. Maybe you've lost a loved one and you look and you go, man, I, I just don't understand how God can work in this situation. Oftentimes our questions to the Lord are very much in line with what Mary's question is. And hear me this morning. It's okay to ask God those questions. Some people are saying, oh, you know, you, you're just doubting if you ask God questions. Have you read the book of Psalms? David over and over and over and over again is saying, God, I don't know how you're going to work this out. God, do you know what's going on in my life? Because at this point in time, I don't see your hand at work. God had made a promise to David saying to David, I'm going to make you a great king. And yet for the first several years after that, David is running for his life from the king who's trying to kill him. And oftentimes he's like, God, what are you doing? God, I don't see a way out of this scenario. I don't see a way out. I don't see how you could work here. That was Mary's question. Mary's question of the angel was, I don't know how that works. And the angel's response is very simple. God. How does that work? God works. How can my marriage be in a better place tomorrow than it is today? God can work in your marriage. What about my coworker, my neighbor, my friend, someone that is far from the Lord? Pastor, I don't see a way possible. You've never met them. They're not going to come to church. I try to share the gospel with them, and I just I meet a wall every single time. I don't know what God can do in their life. Can I encourage you this morning? 
if God can save someone like the Apostle Paul who is seeking to persecute Christians, he can save anybody. At this point in time, I want you to notice after the angel's response, nothing will be impossible with God. Notice Mary's response. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Did you notice the shift in the question? Mary's first question, how does this work? I don't understand. How can you do that? It doesn't make sense. The angel's response, God can do anything. Do you notice Mary's follow-up question? How can I be of use? What do you need from me? You want me to bear the Christ child? Here I am. I want to serve the Lord in whatever way that I can. Let me ask you this today. If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, what is the question in your mind? What is the situation in your mind right now that you're going, I don't know how God can do anything in that situation? Can I ask you this? Will you switch that question and prepare room in your heart for God to work in and through you and simply say to the Lord, here I am use me. Here I am, use me in my marriage. Here I am, use me in this situation that I don't know how it's going to work itself out. Here I am, use me in my neighbor's life. Here I am, use me in my co-worker's life. Imagine for a moment if Mary had said, I think I'll take a pass. We wouldn't be celebrating Christmas. But Mary said, after hearing God can do the impossible, Mary said, then I want to be a part of that. I want to be involved in that. I want to be useful for him as he is working in this world. Church, let's be reminded in this Christmas season that Christmas is simply the reminder for us that God has broken in to this planet and desires to transform people's lives. And you and I, if we're followers of Jesus this morning, he desires to use you and he desires to use me to accomplish his mission. The question for us should shift if we're preparing room for God to transform us. It should shift from, I don't understand how you're going to do that, to here I am, use me. We look at Mary's life, at Mary's situation, but I want us to look at Joseph's as well. See, there's two parts to the story here. Not only just Mary's story, but also Joseph's story. Joseph is betrothed to Mary. Mary is betrothed to Joseph. And when you leave off in Luke chapter 2, or like chapter 1 in these verses, what you find out is that Mary immediately leaves, goes and visits Elizabeth, her relative, and at that point in time, spends several months with her, and then leaves and heads back to where Joseph is. And we pick up the story, Matthew records it beginning in verse 18 of chapter 1, and I want you to notice that Matthew's recording of this focuses on Joseph, and there's a specific reason that he does that. 
because for Matthew, his primary aim is to speak to those who would have come from a Jewish background. So this gospel account from Matthew is focused primarily on that. I don't think it's by accident either that Luke's gospel account contains the virgin birth in there because Luke's background is that he is a medical doctor. So virgin birth, that hits the medical news, right? And at this point in time, this would have been a scandalous situation for Joseph to have found himself in culturally. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this second truth as we prepare our hearts for Jesus to change us. Our question will transition from what will they think to how can I walk in obedience? I want you to notice Joseph as he processes through those questions in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, we've talked about betrothal at this point, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now imagine that conversation between Mary and Joseph. She's been away for three months. The angel has visited her, has told her, you're going to bear the Christ child. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to conceive Three months go by, her and Joseph meet again. And she says, Joseph, I have something to tell you. I'm pregnant. And Joseph says, who's the father? Mary's response, the Holy Spirit. How do you think that went over? Probably not well. In fact, we know it didn't go over well because Joseph, beginning in verse 19, says, her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph has a question rolling around in his mind after he hears this news. What are people going to think? In fact, the Old Testament outlined for Joseph at this point in time that if this type of situation were to happen, that Mary should have been stoned. And Joseph, instead of wanting to create a scene, just says, hey, we'll, we'll walk through this situation quietly. I'll put her away. I'll divorce her, go through the legal proceedings that I need to do, and, and we'll move forward. But in this moment, you've got to know he's questioning what, What are people going to think when they hear this? I mean, just the fact that we are not married yet and she's pregnant is bad enough, but then she's pregnant and by the Holy Spirit, how do you do that? How do you have that conversation? So Joseph at this point in time is is wondering, what are people going to think? How are they going to respond? But verse 20, as he considered these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. 
Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. At this point in time, for Joseph, his question is, what are they going to think? Joseph has a cultural problem. And I want you to notice the angel responds to Joseph in this moment and gives him a theological response. God is at work. God has been at work from the Old Testament forward. God is at work right now in this moment. Your son is going to be the Christ child. Verse 24, Joseph woke from his sleep. I want you to take notice of this. His question changes. It says he took his wife. He did not know her until she had given birth to a son. Joseph's question went from what are they going to think to how can I walk in obedience? How can I walk in obedience to the Lord? Let me say this to you this morning. That first question that Joseph pondered, what are people going to think, is a question that all of us probably ponder at some point in our lives. If we're going to follow Jesus, what are people going to think? If we're going to stand on the truth of what God's word says in a culture that is often hostile to the gospel of Jesus Christ, what are people going to think? Teenager, if you follow Jesus with every ounce of your being, what are your friends going to think? Unless we think it's just a question for our teenagers in the room. It's a question for us as adults as well. If we will truly follow Jesus with our lives, what will people think? That's Joseph's question. But once he hears what the Lord is doing, what God is up to, he says in this moment, how can I walk in obedience? For Joseph, it very well may cost him. For us, following Jesus in our lives may very well cost us. But for Joseph, it's worth it. It's worth it to follow Jesus. And his question becomes, how can I walk in obedience? God, if you want me to take Mary as my wife, if you want me to raise this son that is going to be the Messiah, I am willing to walk in obedience to you. Let me ask you this morning. Where is that question and what is that issue that you are wondering right now? What will people think if I actually follow Jesus with my life? What are my friends going to think? What are my coworkers going to think? What is my spouse going to think? What are my kids going to think? I encourage you this morning, it's worth it to walk in obedience in the way that Joseph models for us here. You may be here this morning, and for you, you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you've got questions this morning. Pastor Michael, how does that work? What does that look like? What will people think if I respond right now to the gospel of Jesus Christ and trust Him as my Savior? And I encourage you this morning, take that step of obedience. Receive the greatest gift that has ever been given to you. 
receive salvation, forgiveness for your sins, which only Jesus can provide. If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, will you, like Mary, like Joseph, stand before the Lord today and say, regardless, God, of the situation, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of what I can't see and what I don't understand. God, I am willing to be used by you. I am willing to walk in obedience to you. I want to ask you if you bow your heads with me and close your eyes this morning and our worship team will make their way back up. But for you today, you may have found yourself in this story with this cast of characters. Maybe you have questions today. Questions about the situation that you find yourself in. Questions about, can God actually do what He promises He'll do? Questions about, what will it cost me to follow Jesus with my life? And I ask you this morning to prepare room in your heart for Jesus to work in your life. As we enter into this Christmas season, like Mary, like Joseph, will we prepare room for Jesus to do what he desires to do in our lives? To use us, to transform us, to call us to himself, to use us as his spokesperson in our circle of influence where he desires to transform other people's lives. Maybe this morning you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior and that is the next step for you today. If you'd like to talk with a pastor or find out more information of what it looks like to take that step, we'd encourage you to fill out a connection card or in just a moment as you have an opportunity to sing, to respond, to come and grab one of our hands and just say, I need Jesus this morning. Maybe you're walking through a situation right now as a believer and you're questioning, what is God up to? Can he work? What's he doing? And you have an opportunity this morning to prepare room in your heart for God to change you. To simply say to him this morning, God, here I am, use me. I'm available, I'm willing to walk in obedience to you. Father, we ask this morning that you would work in our hearts and our lives, that you would transform us, conform us into the image of your son. If there's one here that doesn't know Jesus yet, that today would be the day of salvation for them. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us? Our altar's open. You respond as the Lord leads you this morning.